side joint Ooh, cold side joint Hello, Amarin, and hello, everyone out in Cults I Join land. This is Jesse Stone and Amarin Link coming to you straight from Christmas Eve on our end. It'll be later than that for you, so I hope you guys all had a nice Christmas by the time you're hearing this. For us, it is the Eve. Yeah. It's the Eve. We're wishing you right now. We're closing our eyes, and we're summoning for you a very special, warm, seasonal holiday celebration, whatever that looks like for you. Um but also, hopefully, there's some Christmas spirit alive and well where you are. Jesse, is there any Christmas spirit in the freaking Ozarks? Is there any to be found? In the Ozarks, yes. In our I tale today, know. none. <laughs> none today in our tale. That's disappointing. Because <laughs> there's also no Christmas spirit in Idaho for some reason. At least in Boise, there's none. No one is in the Christmas spirit. I hate it. I've been lamenting it all the time. The Ozarks are kind of renowned for being... I don't know. They're not renowned. That's not true. But to me, they're renowned for being the place that I was raised, which is synonymous with childhood holiday joy, <laughs> which, which means that I thought I was hyper fixating. And then I started talking to other people and being like, uh, so that area has a great Christmas spirit. And everybody was like, yes, that area has a great Christmas spirit. So I'm sort of just coming to learn that this is something I never appreciated about where I'm from. And since oh. you are still there, yes. I just wanted to shove it down your throat and say on this Christmas Eve enjoy the lovely spirit because this morning i talked to like four people no not a one person wished me a merry christmas what's that about <laughs> not one well, person i'll tell you here people do it aggressively it's very specific <laughs> like yes they're not even like it's now become like um like a dog whistle for conservatives and they don't oh. say like they say it like thanks have a merry christmas <laughs> Yeah, that's a good that's a good check. I did forget about the aggression with which they relate yeah. to this. That's the mm-hmm. thing. I'm glad we talked about this because that's actually the thing is that it's easy. It's hindsight always has the rose colored glasses on, right? <laughs> you're always like, and, and also when you're a child, you're not sensitive to these tones, right? So you're just like, oh, everybody's so magically happy uh, and everything's good and it's nice and it's Salvation Army bells and it's great. But yeah, we don't have that here. Even- Uh, Even the Salvation Army Bells have a different vibe now that we know what their business practices are. It certainly (laughs) is a different thing. Like I always avoided them, but now I understand even more so the level at which you should. Though I did get first aid training from them and I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I I know I used to walk past them and be like, oh, look at you helping the poor. And now I'm like, you hate gay people. It's (laughs) tough to deal with. Don't love that. Okay. Well, it's good to know that my uh, frustration over the lack of holiday spirit is just going to transition fully into this podcast episode. Oh, it really, and really we're going to really resonate there as well. So I'm excited to hear what we're dealing with. Another episode where I have no idea at all what we're talking about, not even the slightest little inkling. And I'm ready to find well, out. I'm excited. Yeah, no, you don't. And I'm I'm excited to purge this out of my system before oh. <laughs> I go oh, do God. my own Christmas festivities. Uh, here's my first hint. Since we're talking about Christmas... The yeah. church that I grew up in unequivocally did not celebrate Christmas. Um, yeah. It's a pagan holiday. It's all pagan imagery. Uh, I lived in a regular neighborhood for a while. And I like w- where all my neighbors weren't from my church. 
And I told the neighbor children, I was like four, that Santa Claus was actually a demon, which is why he wears red and that it's like a right. satanic holiday. And their parents were obviously Satanists. And like, they all went home and cried because yeah. now they don't even believe in Santa. And I was like banned from playing with any of the neighborhood kids anymore. And, and yeah. I was like, whatever, yeah. hypocrites, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so I don't have any... Um, we never had a Christmas tree. I don't like my grandparents celebrated. So like, I didn't misunderstand that it was Christmas, but I understood that we didn't right. do it because we were better than that, which is to say, uh, same with this church we're going to cover to whom I am akin. Ah, uh, okay. How's that for a hint? So it's st- so many groups. I feel we, <laughs> but we have we've narrowed it down by a lot, but we still have a pretty big pool. I would say at this point, I am excited though. I'm sure you know. I'm also not was not raised celebrating Christmas, so that's pretty. You know, like yeah. I know that I know that sometimes I talk about things and I feel like I don't know. I'm talking about like the general present. Like I don't know when I talk about Christmas spirit and that sort of thing. Like I'm just talking about public facing because like uh-huh. I my life is so non normative that like I don't right. think of my life as normal. I don't refer to it as a standard of normality. Um, <laughs> so like I straight up don't like I just when I went to college I learned it was subnormal and so That's I just how, stopped yeah. acting like it was sub- like it was something that people would understand and I basically yeah. was just like here's mainstream and I just basically it's code switching and I switched totally mm-hmm. over into speaking mainstream language. Um, and I still I do that on the podcast, which I think I did. I didn't realize until I was listening to the podcast um, fully how much I do that. But yeah, so like we no Christmas trees. I've actually still never had a Christmas tree. I thought this year was going to be the first year that I ever had one. Um, but I uh, learned that I, you have to do that way in advance. Um, <laughs> it's not fun to do a last minute. And I was like, and well, if it's not fun. Then why am I going like- to do it? You can't just go lift one from the 800,000 Christmas trees growing outside your... Honest to God, I think that I could lift one uh, and no one would notice. That being said, I haven't tried it and I did decide the mental stress was overwhelming. (laughs) Um, But I am... Okay, so there's just no... So we're all on the same page is what I'm saying no Christmas cheer in the religious celebration in our backing. I remember right. when I was a kid, my mom, this is slightly sunnier than the demon thing, but my, I was like, mommy, why don't we celebrate Christmas? And my mom eloquently, gosh, what a lady. She was just like, here, honey, let me give you this. And she gave me this book and it was a really lovely informative book, but it was about like pagan rituals of solstice. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And it's literally like all of the real actual of root yeah. of Christmas celebration that we have today, sure. including bringing trees inside the house. She just went right to the source and was like, mm-hmm. literally all of the traditions that these people celebrate have nothing to do with religion. Here you go. And she just showed me. And I was like, and then I also got that spirit of superiority where I was like, I yes. don't even know why you bring that stupid tree inside your house. <laughs> she no, thought I that made not. me better for some I was like, I did too. like people were having a pagan good time in my yeah. and I was just I was just like you guys suck that's a not true that was misperception okay, but let me just say this they were having a pagan good time and they would have burned a pagan at the stake which I think is well so, and that's it that's that true we it's a confusing mix of things because it's definitely yeah. not like pure paganism however it gets close. I hope no one gets offended. None of the listeners get offended, but I feel like it gets close whenever you have Christians that are like less practicing Christians, but they're still big Christmas observers. And they bring, like, <laughs> they're like religiously bring real trees into the house and decorate them. And I'm like, you may be pagan. I don't mean to alarm you, but you may be worshiping someone you don't know you're worshiping. You might want to look into it. I agree that you're celebrating a religious holiday. I'm certainly on board, but are you celebrating the God of the sun? I'm not sure. I just don't know. I love it. 
points to you. <laughs> Freak, yeah. Not a big fan of this. Yeah, no. So I fully get you. Um, just a little fun, non-conformative babble before we get into it. Uh, but so I'm guessing when you say that this per- this is adjacent to you, is this perhaps one of the groups that we foreshadowed in earlier yes. episodes? We've many okay. times foreshadowed. All right. It. It's now it's narrowing to a much smaller pond from the ocean <laughs> that we were dealing with, it's which feels much good. It's a pinpoint. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you can guess already or shall I give you more hints? Or do you think is you don't it, know the do name? Do you have one more hint? I, know, I think I know the name. Do you have one more hint? <laughs> okay. Here's a hint. I okay. don't know if you'll get this one or not. So in doing my research for this group, I okay. realized that for the past couple of years, I have in fact been hooking up with um, a direct heir to the leadership of the group, and I didn't realize it. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. Is it okay? Is this? And I may pronounce it wrong, but I don't think I will. Is it Elohim City? Is it that is how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay. Good job, Amarin. Hell yeah. Good. Oklahoma. I've okay. been listening. Okay, is what I should have said. Okay, Jesse, I'm ready. Um, yes, no, I actually, what got me is when I asked the foreshadowing thing and the emphasis mm-hmm. with which you said it. Because I remember on a previous episode, uh, I believe at CSA, the uh, yeah. oh, the Lord, um, yes. is where you say we're covering this group in part so that one day we can talk about Elohim City, which means, ladies and gentlemen, the day, drum roll, please, has arrived. Yep. Not only, only that, we, we, me too. That <laughs> was a bad drum roll. Uh, not only that, we also foreshadowed it in um, an episode we covered this season. Do you remember which one that was? Oh, was it Waco? Yeah. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It was, yes. was uh-huh. Waco. Wow. I'm just all over myself doubting today, but I'm right. I'm right on the money. So yeah. Waco. Yep. So we're talking about, um, we're talking about Kind of a kind of an outrageous group, which is exciting. Yeah. Not even yeah. not not inhumanly outrageous, of course, as is the underlying point of Cult I Join. But gosh, if they aren't a little out there, tiny bit. They really they they are out there. And um, again, like okay, let me let me give you my own foundation as the teller yes. of the story. Tell us um, your credentials. Well, my my <laughs> my my credentials are that I I know. Almost everyone from Elohim City, not well, but right. um, but let me. Here's the layout. So we've talked about this before when we talked about CSA. Um, mm-hmm. But there were three churches in a line, and it goes Oklahoma, uh, Elohim City, and Oklahoma, right by Oklahoma City, and then it goes House of Prayer, my church, right by Springfield, and then it goes uh, CSA down by the Arkansas border. I'd say between, so uh, Elohim city is five hours from Springfield. Springfield is another two hours from where CSA is. So, and it's it's almost straight. It's like a little, you know, diagonal line. So it's the, you know, it's the well-traveled route between all of those things. And all of our people were back and forth all of the time. So, except I can't ever stress this enough. We were not Christian identity and those two churches were, but whatever we housed them all. So, you know, can't don't have a lot of ground to stand on. So um, that is all to say when CSA broke up, which if you haven't listened to the CSA episode, you might pause this and go listen to that. You first. should probably our listen first to it season. first. Yeah, I think it yeah. would definitely give more valuable context to a lot of what we'll be talking about, just considering how nuanced all the different spreads of groups are here. Yes. Um, 
But if you haven't, we, we, you can't talk about Elohim City without talking about CSA. So I will hearken back to some of it today. Um, and CSA is the covenant, the sword, and the arm of the Lord. So, um, and by the way, people at Elohim City call Elohim City EC. So I might say EC a lot when I'm talking, and that's what I'm talking about. Although, just a note, having lived in a series of egalitarian, big established egalitarian communes, out on the East Coast, uh, I'll just say it, it's, there's a community called Twin Oaks. It's super awesome. And their property is, I want to say they have like 200 acres, 400 acres. It's fairly large. Um, their property is divided in half. So one half is the residential area, like a little fairyland of like cute little woodsy dorm mm. buildings. And then all through the woods and on the far end of the property is the industrial area where the businesses get done. So they're like factories and stuff, right? But okay. they're yeah. not there being aesthetically unpleasant for the rest of the community. And sure. everything at Twin Oaks is named after um, a utopian community. And so the uh, the working part, the factory part is called Emerald City mm. after the uh, Wizard of Oz City. Right. right? <laughs> so... Very Everybody nice. there calls it EC. Oh, where are you going? I'm going up to EC. Oh, I'm going to walk up to EC. Do you want to walk with no, me? No. Oh, you're going to EC? Grab something for me. So it's very hard for me coming out here and everybody's like, oh, we're going out to EC. You want to come? And I'm like, absolutely. And then I'm like, oh, no. This <laughs> is not what I thought we were talking about, friends. There are no double <laughs> bathtubs here and I don't like that. Thank you. No, there is a double bathtub for those that are new here at Twin Oaks. That is a little insider job, knowledge. Yeah. Us. Oh, I'm familiar with when I am very familiar. Uh, I feel like anybody that's into the culty move, like I think that we all know about Twin Oaks because of just the fact that they're really holding up the standard for doing the thing in a good way. In my opinion, of, I don't, a lot of their not, old stuff is in the Smithsonian now. It's true. It's yeah. very, yeah, very interesting. Um, but, I, but obviously this is not there to talk about them. So we won't break it down, but um, that is, yeah, that is, Absolutely fair. Okay. So we, anyway, back to EC. So here's the other thing with EC. So um, there's EC, there's house of prayer, then there's uh, CSA. So when CSA broke up because of their armed standoff with the feds in the eighties before Ruby Ridge and Waco. Yes. Right. Which is why they didn't die. Um, Also, you know what I was thinking about the other day? If that siege had been successful, I wouldn't have my son solace. Solace wouldn't exist. Yeah, we talked about this the, on the whenever we did the other episode. But yes, that is so absolutely crazy. It is wild to me how close you have come to these groups. Just right up on them. Considering, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like now I need to say for listeners who don't know who you are, you're a normal gal. You know, like, obviously you're in the <laughs> subculture. But, like, it's just, sure. it's just funny to me because... Um, I don't know. I think that it's easy for people to think that groups like this are isolated Mm, and you'd never run into them or encounter them. They're just tucked away in a little community. No, that is absolutely not the case. You can, without fully realizing it, waltz right up into one of these families and be like, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? (laughs) What, this is not the EC I thought we were talking about. What's going on? You know, like, and that's a good, obviously, like, even though you're a little bit more I mean, this is a compliment, subnormative than the rest of maybe society is still. Yeah. Just a human being kind of kind of waltzing as yeah, humans do, and, in close in. 
That's a thank you. You may have just like summed up my whole the whole episode, honestly, because you, <laughs> you said very succinctly what the real point is, and you're absolutely right. And um, just to say, like the people from EC who don't live there anymore, and I'm about to get to who that is. I would say blend in with the mainstream way better than I do, and you would not pick them out of a lineup. <laughs> so, but yeah. we'll get there. Okay. So, which actually is what I was coming to next. Okay. So when CSA broke up. Um, they, their land was seized by the feds. They just immediately were like a commune worth of homeless people. Right. So first of all, the bulk of the men went to prison straight away or, Mm. or went through court and went to prison shortly after. Um, so we've got a lot of single moms who have a bunch of kids and then like the trailing group of men who didn't go to prison. We have Jim Ellison, who was the leader of CSA definitely went to prison because of this, but unlike his counterparts turned and ratted on a bunch of white supremacists, which seems like a terrible idea, Um, but it reduced his sentence and he got out and moved to Elohim city and joined the leadership there. Okay. So to this day, that's where Jim Ellison is at. He's over at Elohim city. Um, And so his family followed, right? Mm -hmm. So his family went from being raised at CSA to being raised at Elohim City. Other people also went for shelter from CSA to Elohim City. The ones who didn't go over and fold into Elohim City came right up here to the Ozarks to a little (laughs) tiny town called Oldfield, which is right outside of Sparta, which is right outside of Ozark, which is right outside of Springfield. Yep. Um, Yeah. So uh, Oldfield has like eight people. Sparta has like 28 people. <laughs> so, Sparta is a small town. Yep. Yes. And Oldfield is a, a speck within Sparta. Yeah. Uh, um, it's just like down the dirt roads through Sparta. So um, for those of you who don't know, we're talking, I'm, I'm barely exaggerating the numbers here. They're very, very, very small. We're talking uh, rural. Like if you haven't been to the Ozarks, understand that you can literally reach some of the smallest populated areas that exist in the U.S., in yeah. this area um yes. i like and again if, if you're new i grew up in the ozarks jesse grew up in the ozarks but like i for fun as a, recently in life would just drive to towns that had populations of 10 people um yeah and I mean, <laughs> on the city sign it says right. seven residents which is like blue eye arkansas but yeah. um yeah these this is these are some small ass towns if y'all ain't familiar and um yeah, some some rural ass area. Yeah, Sparta has one disheveled gas station with an actual Confederate flag in the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oldfield has no gas station, just to give you like yeah. a picture of. Yeah. But I'm sure that they all still have multiple functioning churches. That's beside the point. <laughs> they absolutely do. They absolutely do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they also yeah. have I'm... like a cute little Opry place where people go on Friday nights. That's it. Yeah. I just named everything in their town. Yep. I think they also have a nice country fair once a year, if I'm not mistaken, unless oh, they stop doing that. I'm it might not be sure. Sparta, but yeah, it's right down yeah. there. Yeah. Right yeah. in the area, in the broader area. All right. I'm done with my family recap now. But yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. So this is small town area we got going on here. Well, All it's right. it's um tucked away from any prying eyes and the land is extremely cheap, which is the requirement of everybody who's gonna go build a commune. So um so when CSA broke up. Some people folded into Elohim City and the bulk of the rest of them went up and bought land up here at Oldfield and started another church. Okay. So um, I'm not going to name that church 
just because these people wouldn't, I don't think they'd want me to. Okay. Um, like, I, I don't think they want any like publicity or seekers coming down the road to them. So I won't okay. name the church. I don't know if you could find it, even if I did, but, um, but so it's, it's just a, a building in, in Oldfield um, or a series of buildings. And so they built it. Um, it looks identical to Elohim city because mm. the people from CSA came up and founded this with a bunch of the people who were leaving Elohim city. So okay. this church is exclusively made up of ex Elohim city, ex CSA and ex house of prayer, which is my okay. church. Okay. Yeah. There's nobody else there. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's who it. this church is. It's a um, select minority. Yes. Yeah. Now, and I will say it did split sort of along like racism lines because we are talking yeah. about two churches who are Christian identity CSA. A lot of the people, you know, maybe, maybe half and half, they could speak better to that than I could certainly. Sorry, Cheryl, if I'm not getting this well, I'm doing my best. Um, I didn't want to bug you for details. Cheryl isn't having the best week. Um, mm. So, but we love her and you're the prettiest Cheryl, the prettiest. We love you, Cheryl. The very prettiest. Um, yes. So that's true. Anyway. Um, so let's say half and half, half of the people were like, yes, we love racism. We're going to go over to Elohim City where they also love being racist. And the people who were leaving Elohim City, which is at this point, the children of the leadership right. uh, and and the people coming up from CSA who were like, I think the racism is where we got off track, but I don't want to leave this church and culture. That's who formed this new Oldfield Church. I see. So okay. this new Oldfield Church is not Christian identity, but it's made entirely of a smattering of people from House of Prayer and a bunch of people who are formerly Christian identity, either raised okay. in it or were in standoffs as adults. Okay. Okay. That's where we are. I say all that to say that's going to heavily come into play here because the people that I know are entirely from this other church. But this other church, again, heavily populated by all the children of EC. And so mm -hmm. every Thanksgiving, the entirety of EC gets in their cars and trucks and drives to this church and they spend like two weeks all staying at this church in its communal building on its oh. property, like doing okay. praise and worship. And EC is still a militia and they really listen. I'm just not going to pull punches here. Let me say this. If you're listening from one of those churches, um, the, the people who I know there, I still have love for except the dirty whore that broke up my marriage. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. not going to say anything in this that, you said to me casually and didn't expect me to put on a podcast. So please feel comfortable in that and know that I'm just talking about cultures that I think are interesting. Okay. Um, that aside, uh, it's just funny when EC comes out, they come in full paramilitary regalia and they wear their dopey. I'm an army man costumes the whole time. So like in the new church here in Oldfield, people don't, bounce around in army fatigues and black berets and combat boots. Cause they're not playing army out there. Like they left that behind. This is not okay. the one out here is not a militia. Gotcha. Um, and so, but EC is a militia. And so they come out and they're just all their regalia and they're just like, I'm a big man. Are you a big man? Hello, other big man. And so it's kind yeah, of funny, but they Very worship funny. like I grew up worshiping. So I definitely loved those, those, communion times and I spent all the time I could there for those and my son still attends them so mm -hmm. um that's how I that is that is how I know the people at Elohim City right mm -hmm. so not super well but then as their children grow up and leave we're Facebook friends I like a lot of them people who right. are leaving that community are leaving because they can't get 
in with the racism part of it, or they wouldn't right. leave their community. So just all a very interesting little little mix. I'll say this too. I was really struck, speaking of how they can mainstream pretty well, I was really struck by how heavily the women at EC wear a lot of makeup and wear a lot of outwardly branded Victoria's Secret clothing. Mm. That somehow makes perfect sense, even though it's very <laughs> confusing. It's weird because you said that and it took a minute. I was like, what? Yeah. And then I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. I feel like no one has. I feel like since I left the Ozarks, I've discovered that most people have a normal relationship with Victoria's Secret and like pink. Uh-huh. Women in the Ozarks do not. We are. We, like, okay. I don't know if you feel this way, but I didn't I, know this. Okay, yeah, no, I don't know if this is just a uniquely specific experience. Other people, please chime in if you know. But like when I was growing up, people were obsessed with Victoria's Secret and Pink. I yes. thought this was just had a hold on the whole USA. Apparently not. As I got out oh, and started no. talking to people about this, they were like, yeah, I mean, I know it's a brand, right? Like, I feel like, <laughs> of course, people bought that brand. It's very popular. And there's the angels, blah, blah, blah. But, like, not at the level. Like, I would go with my girlfriends and get fitted for bras multiple times in a year for some reason. Yeah. And, well, and try it's on the outward branding. Like, here, yes. it says Victoria's Secret or pink on all their. So, like, well, that you get, like, a bag if you bought stuff and then you carry your bag around. People would know that you yeah. have that underwear. <laughs> they wouldn't know what it looked like. It's a very, you know, I, I get it. I get it. This is a maybe a little counterculture wink. I'm not sure. It really, it threw me because, you know, House of Prayer, and I think all of them dressed so conservatively in the in yeah. the 80s and 90s, and then like the, the next generation. But here's the thing, Elohim City does practice polygamy. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, I was going to a lot of Bible studies with people from this church, which is again, CSA and, and House of Prayer, and, and, um, and a lot of people who grew up at Elohim City, but also people who were just staying at the church because their marriage was in turmoil or they were trying to leave. It's very, very, very hard to leave right. a cult, as we all know. It's um, true. And so, uh, you know, m- mothers who were struggling to leave that church would always come up and stay at this church. And then I'd like see them at Bible studies, which I was in a lot. Right. Um, and it was, you know, I clashed with them quite a bit because they were like aggressively anti-choice and very anti-feminist, which I should have been more patient with. And I wasn't. And I feel bad for that. I should have been more patient seeing what they were straight out of. But I am sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I was so much hard. No. Yeah. I I wish I'd been more patient, but I was very like, what the fuck are you trying to say? You know, and like, so I wish I'd been more patient. But all that to say, I did personally see people coming out of that, out of Elohim City, who like their husband, they got older. And I, and by older, I mean like 28 with eight kids, you know, yeah, and their yeah. husband was like, I am now marrying your cousin the day she turns 18. And you can right. watch that shit, you old hag. Like that's yeah. the kind of stuff that I saw happening. So why are they hard, wearing hard a lot to of- see things? Yeah. Yeah, it was shitty. Um, you know, and why am I seeing a lot of like Victoria's Secret and heavy makeup? I guess because of that. Definitely because of that. Yeah, I would. I yeah. mean, anytime I think that you see what is that but sexualization, intentional self-sexualization. Yeah. And where yeah. do we see that? Major high control patriarchal groups, right? Like right. the reason that I saw that in my community growing up, 
high control patriarchal group, right? We were also mm-hmm. trying to appeal to the male gaze, literally. Like we yeah. literally knew that this was something that boys in our area were interested in, curious about, whatever. And whether it was intentional and direct in our minds that we translated that or not, that's what played out. So I totally understand how that would be like a whistle that we could identify and be like, oh, these women are feeling prompted to, of their own volition or not, show themselves as objects of desire, right? To their male yeah. power yeah. figures, maybe. Yeah. So I that seemed pretty clearly happening there mm-hmm. to me uh, from what I saw when I saw them out here and when I saw them in like our Bible studies and stuff and when I Absolutely. see them on Facebook sometimes. Um, so let's get into more of Elohim specifically. Now I've kind of laid the groundwork for you. So it will make sense when I explain people and reference things. Yes. Go. So again, I was very shocked to find out about the person I was hooking up with. (laughs) That's shocking. Really threw me. Like I knew that he was associated with that group, but I thought it was way looser than it was. I I knew that that was his background. Um, I'll say this too. Well, no, no, I'll get there. Um, anyway, just, I was like, oh, and then as soon as I knew it, I was like, oh, I see it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I see it. Now that I know what I'm looking for, it's right there in front of me. <laughs> Isn't that how it goes with situations like this too? You know, it's like so n- unclear and then suddenly it's like, oh, I see with shocking oh. clarity. It's an HD. I get it. <laughs> the universe is not so generous about these revelations. <laughs> Which was a long way to say, I'm alone now. <laughs> ah, but probably better for it. I'd have to Oh, think. <laughs> that was my fault. It's all good. It's all good. Um, blessings on his path. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do a little bit different this time. Instead of reading you the where's and wins and how's, I'm going to read you snippets from three different press articles that I pulled up about Elohim City right. uh, at, at very different time periods in their existence. Okay. Cool, cool. Okay. And cool, then I'll, cool. and then we'll get into talking about the the details more. Um, okay. Before I get into it, do you know anything about Elohim City outside of me? Is it something you've heard of or no? Yeah, I've heard of Elohim City before. Um, I'm guessing that it is just by nature of growing up in the very similar area to where you were at as well. Um, because this is, like you said, yeah. very close yeah, it's to not far from us. Yeah. Not far, and also with House of Prayer nearby, and the fact that yes. I knew yeah. about I knew about the Covenant, the Sword, and the Arm of the Lord. Um, so these these groups like were connected, but I wouldn't say that I have like an intimate knowledge of their history in chronological order no. or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. I would just say that like I feel pretty confident speaking about them at a party if they came up. <laughs> for I'd feel is pretty. There, confident. Is there anything large in the news that you associate Elohim City with? It's okay oh. if there's not. I'm just curious. No, yeah. It uh it had they had some trouble uh in the gosh, I can't remember exactly when it was, so I'm not gonna try to quote it exactly, but they this group had fears around having events happen similar to other groups we've talked about. And they had a um I don't want to misquote this, but they had like a some was it a bomb thing or is that a different group they had like a bomb threat sort of thing that went down with the feds right is that correct yes um it's it's you'll recognize it more when i give the details yeah there is a big bomb associated with elohim city 
Okay, so I know. So the words "big bomb" came to mind. So that I, I didn't want to be so crass, but straight up, when you said it, I was like, "Well, there's the bomb. There's the big bomb." If there's I could figure out bomb. how to get to that, um, so I remember that, and I remember I associate Elohim City with like Waco or something like that. Obviously, not a finished product um, where it's a government standoff that results horrifically as that did, but something where the tensions are very high between the government and the group. And there is this so like Waco plays mm-hmm. directly into Elohim city and the big bomb. Yes. So we're okay. going to come up to that. Got it. Um, All right. I'll stop and- guessing. Let's maybe just get into the facts. No, thank you. No, I wasn't trying to torture you. I'm always curious about what the public knows and doesn't know, you know, right. about these things. So right. that's kind of kind of why I want to ask you, like, what what associations come right up for you and what don't? That's why I was asking. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to tell one more story about Elohim City and then yes. we'll get to the facts. I am relatively light on facts. So just relax, everyone. Good. Good. Um, <laughs> Since we're half an hour into this, but I want to just say this one last thing. So when I was uh, 19, I was moving to a commune the next day. This would be 1997. Uh, It was the week that uh, Heaven's Gate committed suicide. Right. So that was the week of that. And so Mm -hmm. here I am moving to a commune in the midst of a world who is quite shaken up by this massive group suicide that just happened in what they perceive as a commune. Um, What was a commune? But like to to people outside, like communes and cults are the same word. Right. So the week that that Heaven's Gate happened was the week I was leaving and joining a commune. And I was like, I was 19. I was like joining it. Like I'd given away my car. I'd given away all my stuff. I was leaving the next day. And so I was just staying at my mom's on her couch to get a ride out there the next day to join. Um, and so like 2020 or something came on and they were like a special on cults since everybody's into cults this week. And so they did a three part section uh, special on <laughs> cults and they covered uh, Heaven's Gate and they covered the Amish and they covered Elohim City. Mm. So at the time, I didn't know the name Elohim City. I actually didn't under I wasn't remembering. I just knew people came in and out of our church. I didn't know the name of Elohim City. Mm. And so I'm just like on the couch. I'm like, oh, I'm moving to a commune tomorrow. I wonder if I'd be interested in any of these. So I'm like watching. And when they do the coverage on Elohim City, a lot of it is in black and white because they're like, this is the most dangerous compound in America. These people are on the FBI most wanted list. The You can't get in here. It's heavily guarded. Like it's a wasp nest. And then they're showing all this like grainy footage of like secret videos that the government took. And I was like, this place looks amazing. This is where I want to live. I love it here. I'm like s- literally sitting with a pen. Like, are they going to get a contact at the end of this? Can I get into yep, this group? You're ready. <laughs> and, and I realized years later, oh, no, I realized when I married into it, like, oh, that was, I remember them saying Elohim City, because as we've discussed, it's a great name. Uh, yeah. And I like, but on this, they were like, this is the scariest place in the country. They're on the FBI's top most wanted list. They are so dangerous. They're so heavily armed. They'll kill anybody right. that comes on the property. And I realized the reason I wanted in so badly was that it looked exactly like my church. Well, that's mm. because it was a spinoff. <laughs> yeah. Know? So, Yeah, that makes sense. That totally checks out. It's just funny. That was my first bumping into the name of Elohim City. And I was I was immediately like, I'm a yes. You were like, <laughs> I love this. I and it's probably, yeah. probably some of the women in the grainy footage had like acted as mother figures to me. You know? so, yeah, 
It's fair. <laughs> that's amazing. I yeah. yeah that's, and that's such a good example. Just though, like I like you pointing to. It's funny, but I also like you pointing to the familiarity between. Like that's how it works, isn't it? The the familiarity that you saw between the group that you were raised in and mm-hmm. this group that was your stepping stone, and then you made your then you made a bigger step in, and that's how people get involved in like really extremist groups. Seriously, yeah. it's like step, yeah. they start out in one lane and then they step into this other group, and then they like warm up to it a little bit, and maybe it's not such a big ask the things that they're having right. to do or say or believe to get the benefits they're getting out of the group. And then that just keeps growing until push comes to shove a lot of times. And they have too much vested on yes, yeah. the inside. And then they have to defend it. They have like kids and husbands and families. Yeah. And I- I'm speaking from the wife perspective clearly here, but like <laughs> I can only think from the female perspective. I'm very limited <laughs> in this way. Um, it's probably my periods, but um, yes, I think that uh, it's a very, it's a very interesting thing. And I love how human it is. And I think that's very valuable. Me too. Let's go to Elohim city. Okay. So this uh, article is called Elohim quote, manifesting God's word in shoe leather. Uh, As you can (laughs) see, this is a love piece. It's written for the Oklahoman in 1984. All right. I'm only going to read you snippets of it instead of three giant articles. All right. Elohim is a Hebrew word for God and to the Reverend and to the Reverend Millar, uh, Millar and his neighbors, their community represents God's city. That's what common, mm-hmm. what's common, he says, for everyone here, a religious experience has become very vital, a very important force in their life. This is our touchstone, said Millar, a non-denominational minister who was once an ordained Mennonite leader. That is hmm. true. The wow. leader of Elohim City, who is just like a scary person, was a, an ordained Mennonite minister. He came from the Mennonites. Hmm. Yeah, it bums me out. Um, on the it's surface, sad to hear. The res- <laughs> it is sad. It really bums me out. Um, on the surface, the residents seem like city people having fun, being country folks, gardening, raising cattle, mm-hmm. riding horses, experimenting with building their own homes in creative, inexpensive ways. Uh, and they'll be the first to say they are having fun. But they say that's because they've found a way to live that is safe in the knowledge that their neighbors share their values and beliefs. Let me pause here. Elohim mm-hmm. City never tells you they're racist. In fact, they deny it up and down. Um, but then they'll say, and their leader always, yeah. and he will deny it up and down, but they are Christian identity. And what they'll tell you is like, no, there's definitely going to be a race war and like definitely white people are superior and like definitely can't mix blood. But like, that's, we're not racist. That's just how, like, we're just, we can just see how the world works. That's like, that's just not, how it is. It's not our fault. Yeah. If you don't know that, that that's just exactly is. Their the situation yeah and it makes it really convenient for them because they live intentionally in some of the lowest diversity areas in the world in the u.s uh and thus the world um which like i was disturbed to find i'm sorry i keep interjecting but i think this is really relevant i was disturbed to find that springfield is one of the least diverse was at in the one of the last censuses one of the least diverse places in the entire u.s um there's specific reason for that i don't want to get into it but you can look into the history of springfield it's very dramatic and, and disappointing. The reason um, centers around our city square. If that helps you Google it, it's horrible. Go ahead. Yeah, you can look into it. It's very disturbing, uh, not to be taken lightly. And um, so the and, and of course, Springfield is the biggest city in Missouri that we're talking about that's located to some of these areas. But then as you're expanding um, these general areas that you're getting close to and other populous areas in Oklahoma and otherwise are also not high diversity areas. So they are yes. very intentionally put themselves in a place where they're not having to 
come up against people of color very often and thus their racist beliefs are not having to be on display for their neighbors very often. Oh, good job, Amber. And I wouldn't have pointed that Thank out, you. but you're a million percent right. Yeah, for I've been sure. about these fair. guys for a while. I yeah. mean, not, not <laughs> these guys in particular, like specific, but this like grouping of people, I've had my eye on them for a minute. Yep, I pay a lot of attention to him too. Well stated. Okay, so that's a really good point. And so, but but exactly what Amarin just said, like so they they don't say that they're racist. They're offended if you would suggest that. Oh, they yes. will definitely tell you a race war is coming and obviously white people need to be governing everything and you definitely can't mix races. So yes. like but just because that's obvious. So I'll read this line again, which this reporter says with no concern. Yeah. <laughs> uh but they say that's be- they're having fun because they found a way to live that is safe in the knowledge that their neighbors share their values and beliefs. Elohim City is a harbor where at 9.30 a.m. each weekday they stop for an hour-long, quote, community meeting at which ideas and prayers are shared. About 25 members of the community are children who attend school in one of the two schoolrooms on the acreage. Their parents are pleased that their children are in a school system that they control, where they can be sure that the primary focus of education is a knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Insert anti-science and all the things they that can ensure you that might the knowledge assume. is about God, and also that humans and dinosaurs either lived cohabitationally at the same time or they trained each other uh collaboratively to create a fire wheel i don't know like that you gotta you guys gotta look into some of the bullshit that they are putting into these textbooks to get out of like evolution and explain the dinosaurs because there are dinosaur bones but if you, you guys probably don't spend time thinking about this but like how do they justify that right they have a very hard time look into it it's great comic relief i have seen some hilarious presentations because- on this stuff Right, because the the Earth is only like so many thousands of years old, and so they believe it's not them. old. Yeah, right, right, and so like carbon dating is a real problem for them. So. They can't. The better that our carbon dating science gets, the more that conservatives freak the fuck out because so they, they can't justify it. this to their kids. And then they're like, "Well, we have to homeschool." Um, I'm not shading on homeschool because I love homeschool, but question your friends when they do it because why? Why are you trying to get them to believe dinosaurs and humans were friends? I'm watching. Yeah, dinosaurs are a constant issue for conservative Christians. Constant. They're actually if, like, if I'm not emphasizing mind a lot. <laughs> so. Weirdly, they talk about them constantly, like way more than they I think other people. Like, no. It's like like virginity and dinosaurs. These are the two yeah. big ones. When it comes to talking to your kids starting at age like two, it's modesty, <laughs> sexuality, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Uh, yeah. and hate <laughs> Yeah, um, guys. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no global warming. Don't oh, forget. Global warming doesn't exist because the Earth is very, 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 very young and in the prime of its life. Thank you very much. Right, we have plenty of oil because it's made of dinosaurs who are our recent friends. Duh. Absolutely, and there are probably still dinosaurs somewhere. We just aren't looking at them right now. And God said that's fine. Yeah, hey, everything's fine. Jeez, you guys. Jeez, you guys, calm down. Together. The dinosaurs coming, but everything is fine. Everything is fine. Everything's fine. Okay, so um, Rokist and Hartog met Millar about 20 years ago at a convention of Christians being held in Millar's native Canada. Den Hartog was about 24 years old at the time, and Millar became his mentor. For the last two years, Den Hartog, his wife, and their seven daughters, one of whom slept with my husband, uh, lived in Elohim City. (laughs) Wow! I I won't stop harping on it, because kick her out! She's a life ruiner! Unacceptable um, behavior at a religious group of any type. Am I correct? Kick her out. 
apparently not. Like, this is something that everybody knows and says about this girl, but they literally say it like you'd say, like, well, Susie makes, like, really good cookies, and Bobby Joe, like, is really great with the kids, and um, who her face over there breaks up marriages. Like, that's, you know, we all have our thing, you know, that God gifts us with, and, like, that's what we're good at. God gives us all a special gift. Mine is stealing husbands. Yep. (laughs) That's what (laughs) I do. (laughs) Yep. God gave me that gift, too. I just don't use it. Fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, For the last two years, Den Hartog, his wife, and seven daughters have lived in Elohim City. By the way, the other six daughters, lovely. Uh, If you're listening to this, I really like you a lot. (laughs) Fantastic news. I love to hear the good word. And I, I think you all know about your sister, so... Um, I want my whole, he says, I want my whole life to be involved in God and him involved in me. I ultimately found that was impossible apart from a community life. So um, I'll pause right here to say Rokist and Hartog. Um, yes, he lived at Elohim City, was a major part of Elohim City, um, also practiced polygamy. Um, when uh, at some point he left Elohim City and he it was the leader of this new church that I'm talking about here in Oldfield. So he was the he was okay. the leader of that church, which made his daughters kind of the princesses. But nice, yeah. So um, he married me, me and my husband. Oh, why? Nice. Yeah, yeah. He officiated my wedding. So, hmm. yeah. At the time, I was newer to understanding everybody's place, and so yeah. people almost worship Rokist and Hartog. Like I was at his deathbed. I I was on wow. that whole ride, and uh, people really. Like they just talk about him like he's just about a god, and mm. like everything he says goes. And hey, he was a nice man. He was sure he was kind and gentle. Um, so he wasn't like a bad leader at all. Right. But people were just like anything that he says is what I'm going to do. Anything that he says is a message straight from God. He's so sacred. Wow. He's so holy. Everything that he says. So thankfully, he was a nice person. <laughs> so that that seems that like a very fine. good thing. Yeah. Yeah, that went fine. But, you know, again, he he did live in a Christian identity place for quite a while. And then he did leave it and not carry the Christian identity part. But how much does that seep in? I still ask myself that question. Um, Anyway, so that's that's Rokas, um, big, big part of our world for a while. And he's very much like I mean, he's not he died several years ago, right around the same time as my husband's dad died. Um, Mm. And they were both big leaders in that church. And so that was when the church asked me to paint. Uh, quotes that Rokas liked up around the top edge of the ceiling of their whole church building, which I did. Mm. They're still there. Wow. Um, yeah. So Beautiful. I have nice things to say about Rokas, but um, yeah, he married us. So he's a big part of the story. All right, here we go back. So Millar recalls in 1957, when he was preaching in California, he says, I was talking about the kingdom of God on earth. And it suddenly occurred to me that I couldn't even educate my own little children in the way I believed Millar said, meaning that like they're learning about science in public schools. Um, and then it dawned on me. What about God in every aspect of life? That foundation shaking uh, foundation-shaking thought became the impetus for Miller's gradual move toward the idea of Elohim City. Hmm. Millar said that the children in Elohim City don't have problems with drugs and alcohol and truancy like the kids out here do. That is wildly inaccurate. I <laughs> so. was going, okay, so glad that you said this because not to say, not to continue to make it sound like I grew up in this group because everything is the same for me, apparently. But that is literally every time they say that about a group. 
you know the yeah. opposite is true. It's a major problem. I feel like it's almost like saying that the Titanic is unsinkable, just as a yes. note to yeah. religious leaders. You just can't. If you Stop say about it. your kids, like, they're normal kids. They do their best. I think they do a good job. That's fine. You're not cursing your kids. They probably aren't <laughs> chugging whiskey in the parking lot. But if you but say, <laughs> but if you say our kids are cut above the rest, they're away from all that pornography and alcohol and marijuana, and um, <laughs> then you're wrong. And they're doing all of that and worse, worse. Yeah. Hands That's down. All. That's yeah. all. Um, life in Elohim City is communal in the sense that its residents share a spiritual rela- relationship. If there's sharing of material possessions, it is voluntary and out of caring. Poverty is not a goal. No government aid is accepted. I roll for me. Um, each family works to support itself. However, families also, all of these groups, including the group I grew up in, tell you you can't get food stamps because that's like basically what poor people of color do and and you're not that's not who you are very anti-food stamp Mm. yeah which is so fucking stupid because maybe your kids want some fucking food um each it's pretty gross (laughs) each family works to support itself however families also work to free themselves of the need for money by doing such things as building their own homes that's true that's all very nice a man can't be free to serve the lord if he has to work 30 hours a week to or 30 years, sorry, to pay for the shingle over his head, Malar is fond of saying. In Elohim, Saturday is the day of rest and worship. This allows the community to spend Sunday visiting outside the community, usually to other church groups. A little four, over four years ago, Rachel Patterson, um, who I also know, uh, visited Elohim City as a guest of the man she would soon marry. That would be Zara Patterson, um, mm-hmm. who is Malar's widowed son-in-law. So Zara was married to one of Malar's daughters. She died. Mm-hmm. And then he married Rachel Patterson. The bulk of her kids also now live in the Oldfield Church. Okay. Yeah. So that's a little, so that's a 1984 article about how awesome Elohim City was. Although I will say it was a Christian identity church at the same time. And this reporter Mm. seemed to have no qualms with that. Okay. Okay. All right. Now we're going to skip on up to 1997. I'm going to move this along. Uh, 1997 by Deborah Hastings, Elohim City on extreme, uh, Elohim City and Extremists Underground Railroad. A little more to the point in this one. A lot has happened between 84 and 97. Here we go. Up seven miles of bad road past no trespassing signs nailed to Blackjack Oaks sits a major stop on the right wing extremist underground railroad. It looks more like a low rent trailer park shamble wreck. Ramshackle mobile homes and polyurethane huts sit willy-nilly in this Ozarks mountain, hidden by woods and surrounded by the crackle of gunfire. I think that's a really good description. It's mm. called Elohim City, and the name of the armed all-white, on- all-white enclave of 80 or so religious zealots keeps popping up in criminal investigations. Elohim City is, or Elohim City's leader is Robert G. Millar, a former Mennonite who brought his flock here 24 years ago. He is now 71. This is back in 97. And mm. fingers kilts and clerical callers. He, his followers, most of whom are related to him by birth or marriage, call him Grandpa. Mm. Millar is considered one of the most important leaders of America's Christian identity movement. Mm. Um, Morris Dees of the Southern Poverty Law Center says it's a religion on steroids. Um, She says adherents include groups such as the Aryan Nation, the now defunct Covenant Sword in the Arm of the Lord, or CSA, uh, whose members have been implicated in robbery, terrorism, and murder. Um, 
And they, so I don't know if it's going to hear. In the 1980s, residents bearing semi-automatic weapons faced down federal and local law enforcement officers trying to enforce a court order in a custody fight. The officers mm. left rather than risk gunfire. After the Oklahoma City bombing, as rumors spread that the compound would be raided by federal agents, res- residents were said to have aimed their guns at airplanes and helicopters overhead. Hmm. Yes. Let's see. In 1973, Millar returned to Oklahoma from Canada with about 18 family members and bought the property that they now live on today. Several of Millar's eight children and more than 30 grandchildren still live there. Elohim was not armed until 1982 when Millar met Carrie Noble and CSA founder Jim Jim Ellison. Until then, Noble said Millar hadn't entertained the concept of being a paramilitary outfit for God, that God would use the group to bring forth judgment. Today, Jim Ellison lives at Elohim City and is married to one of Millar's daughters. Millar Mm. believes that Ellison is the one to lead the right-wing movement into the war. On a recent cold winter day, the children children of Elohim City played outside, some barefoot, their faces dirty, the girls in hand-me-down dresses, several sizes too large, with ripped-out hems. Okay, they are describing what most communes look at look like here. But, Seems um, Yeah, their parents stared angrily and refused to be interviewed. Only Millar and his second oldest son, John, would speak to reporters. Millar allowed an AP reporter and photographer to attend one of Elohim City's daily religious services and visit the home of Millar's youngest son. Then he cut the visit short, saying his flock was fed up with the media. The compound's chapel, a bubble of hardened polyurethane decorated with the Confederate and Christian flags, housed a service punctuated by dancing, army salutes, and lyrics announcing that the time has come to raise our swords and fight. That's a really good description of Elling City and of the church here in Oldfield as well, sans the Confederate flag. But they do also have the same smattering of like domes and buildings. Like they look like identical communities. Um, Mm -hmm. A young man wore a shoulder holster containing a semi-automatic gun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. They came fully armed to all the church services here, too. Nice. Um, Elohim City operates a small sawmill and trucking enterprise on its property so that they can mostly be self-sufficient. Robert Millar said his congregation just wants to be left alone to practice its religion's beliefs of self-denial, hard work, and simplicity. Uh, He says, I am just repulsed by people who think white supremacists are Christian identity. So again, like he's always saying that that's a disgusting accusation. Millar was quoted as saying, we're going to have a civil war and race riots in America, but insisting that he had no ill will toward any people and that whites were divinely obliged as leaders to serve others, providing food and shelter and aid. He declared, I have, I have to be a voice for, uh, for moderation, a voice for common sense. I believe destruction is coming, but I don't want a part in starting it. No. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a nice old guy that you call just grandpa. Just a nice dude. So the thing yeah. about Elohim City, it's it, it, its description as being a part of the racist underground railroad is perfect. That's exactly yeah. what its function is. So Elohim City's favorite thing to do is to sit back and be like, well, I don't know nothing about no racism. I don't, I, we're just religious people who want to be left alone. And, you know, like. If you are an active group of Aryan nation bank robbers who want to marry one of the leader's daughters and stay on our property between bank robberies and also fund the revolution, that's a definite yes and will arm you and will hide you and will lie for you and will feed you and you can have children with our daughters. Yeah. Um, But we don't want any. We're not doing that. 
We don't support that. that. But I can't help it we'll if you do that. Support you while you do that. But that's right. different than us supporting you in doing that. That's not right? our thing. That's you your understand thing. that's not our thing, right? 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 <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? I feel like this is a weird thing to say, but I feel like Jordan Peele as a director does a really good job highlighting the nuances of some of this white behavioral tendency in this racial department. Obviously, a lot of Jordan Peele's horror movies are very on the nose about certain things like this. But if you sure. watch, I think you would also agree if you've seen them as well. There's a lot of very subtle things that are also intentionally put into the films that are the type of things that you would run into as like microaggressions or in this case, yes. whole scale aggressions. Um, yeah. And he just like, obviously, it's the point, but he just does a great job of doing that. And I'm reminded of that. And just some of his films like Get Out or um, Us. And the little things that some of the white people do, the racist white people who are genuinely yeah. racist in these films, um, do to signal to each other and the minorities in the films that they are racist. And it's always stuff like this is hilarious. Yes. Like this is, well, he's clearly doing the research on real racism, which obviously, but it's just hilarious to me because it's like, yeah, that's exactly what they do, isn't it? <laughs> but what's interesting is, and that's a, an excellent example. Again, you're getting, you're cutting right to the point and you're saying it better than I would say it, uh, which is like the, so the people at Elohim City and I think Malar let's call him grandpa. Um, (laughs) I think Millar believes his bullshit. I do. Mm. Um, And, and so I, I think that if these people sat down and watched get out with you, they'd never see the undertones. They'd watch the whole thing, take it at face value and end the movie going. Yeah. Those people weren't racist. Didn't you right. hear them? They were trying to kill those black people. That's a coincidence. <laughs> well, they were just out to get because, those guys. No, that's because functionally they're smarter than the black people. Oh, God. Yeah, you're and right. They wouldn't have a problem saying, you know, that's just the deserve, natural dichotomy that's arisen. Yeah. Yeah, they deserve to have their young strapping bodies. Of course they do. So where's the, yeah. What yeah. a nice film. How sad that the family died at the end. How sad those Would beautiful be. white people couldn't, those whites couldn't make it. Uh, <laughs> With such yeah. a nice operation in their basement. And they had so many things going for them, too. It was such a well-oiled machine, wasn't it? Such a yeah. good start. Like so they would be sad. like, but that's how that's how complicit they are. You're right to say, like it's that eyes glazed over, like yes, it's yeah. that like it's it's total denial. And it is brain. an eye glaze. It when is a total eye them, glaze. Yeah, when you're direct with them about racism, they eye glaze, and they're like, no, and they'll just like know. a lot of times these people. I don't know if this is true. Please correct me if this specific group is not like this. But a lot of times they just will not participate in these conversations. No, or they they'll won't. be like, they'll be like, you're trying to set me up. You're trying to yeah, trick oh, me, yeah, yeah. right? Like and, this is and you're, you're not going to hear me, yeah. right? You're not going to hear what I, you're not going to listen to me truly. So I'm not going to bother talking to you about it. So you can't even talk to these people. I need to stop saying these people, but you can't (laughs) even talk to this group about, or people that share these beliefs a lot of the time, because they'll immediately say like, you just wouldn't get it basically, which is, I have to say it. I have to say it. A concept that comes from Christianity itself. 
uh, the concept of I understand something that you're simply not in on and that makes me better than you. What we've been talking about this entire episode, that there is a core Christian concept um, that's bothered me for a long time. You see it in a lot of extremist groups, but it is literally present within each aspect of Christian. um, Well, not each, but many. I wonder if that's true in the other two major world religions of the Muslim religion and the and Judaism. It's a good like, question. I wonder if that you know we're so steeped in Christianity, it's really the only thing mm-hmm. we can speak to at that level. And I, I, I kind of suspect, honestly, maybe no, but I don't know. Um, it's a great question. Anybody yeah. that has a little bit more of an intimate knowledge, we I would really welcome and encourage you to chime in yeah. and like you know, on solid. Facebook or you know just emailing us because it's a that's a very interesting point. And I too would be I would be hesitant to think that that would be present across the others but it may be i wouldn't know we wouldn't know we're not in a mainstream uh culture of that religion so we're not able to precisely how it unfolds precisely Um, but yeah, yeah let's get so, let's get back to it. But just yeah, yeah, just a small side part. It's just kind of point to some larger overarching themes that I feel like yeah. we deal with as a result of groups like this, but also just as a result of human nature that is also causing groups like this to form. Yeah. So Elohim City's major function is, in fact, as a hiding place for violent, violent radicals to stay and to hide and to plan and to act. That is that is what Elohim City's function is. And then the yeah. whole time they sit back and go, we're not racist. We're nice people. This is a church. We're more sacred than everybody else. Look how holy we are. We dance and we praise, you know, seven days a week, every morning together, um, you know. And and so w- what problem could you possibly have with us? Uh, please don't look at our stash of weapons. Okay, so <laughs> here is my last article. This was written in 2021. This is this is titled Worst Terrorist Attack in American History. <laughs> so, oh, right to the punch. OK, let's go. The city. So you can kind of see as as time unravels things here the public view of them changes the city of god lay deep in the ozark hills of northeastern oklahoma at the end of six miles of dirt road young men in thrown together fatigues guarded the gates to the domed church of elohim city the church was the center of community life for it's by the way it's not a big like fancy dome it's like a like a polyurethane lumpy dome okay um Let's see. Da, da, da. The church was a center of community life for the isolated se- settlement, host to charismatic morning prayers and evening assemblies. Um, polygamy was encouraged and patriarchy enforced. Non-domestic work for women was forbidden. Elohim is a Hebrew word for God, but those who live in Elohim City prefer to God, call God. I'm going to let you guess. What do you think that they call Jesus? In, or what do you think they call God? I, I have a guess. Is it Yahweh? It is. It is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's Yahweh. God's chosen Jewish people at heart, except Which the is, actual Jewish people. I just can't get over the fact that Elohim means God, but they're like, no. They're like, <laughs> no. that's a Hebrew word for God, but Yahweh. You know, like El- Elohim, it literally means God in Hebrew. And right. yet, no. 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 Not good enough. Yeah. And it's a, not it's a beautiful word. Enough. I do love the, the word Yahweh. So it's not me knocking on any words for God, but I will say Elohim, rarer, more interesting, worth a shot. Yeah. Oh, here, let me read the next sentence, which is what I just referred to. They consider themselves the real Israelites, not those descendants of the devil <laughs> who called themselves Jews. Oh, no. The a little anti Semitism sprinkled in. And by that, I mean a, lot. a lot. shark fin of anti Semitism <laughs> poking out. 
Uh, no one at the compound ate pork and children at a... This is the thing. Like, this is maybe the most amazing thing about uh, Christian identity is that just like... I, did your church do this? We considered ourselves the real Jewish people. And yes, we followed all the Jewish traditions. We did all the Jewish things. Like, we were like, well, it's really uh, us. We're the chosen ones. Yes. I think a shockingly high number of Christians are like this. It's obnoxious. And I it's, hate it so much. It drives it me insane. Why, it right is now in a conflict between Israel and Palestine. Mm. We're on the side of Israel, the aggressor, because we all fancy ourselves the chosen Jewish people. It's literally like we all took a 17 quiz and we all got the same result. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're like, we're like loyalists based off of this result that is coming from nowhere. It's coming right. from nothing it literally might as well be a fictional quiz yeah it drives me insane i'm literally like you know i to cause problems sometimes will literally go back around relatives and be like you know we can't all be god's chosen people right well don't worry amron we're not it's just me and that's exactly what they're like yeah well you're not anymore are you you know like <laughs> and i'm like oh shit okay well yeah. maybe so. uh, it's always yeah. just the group so despite uh -huh. truly truly hating a whole religion of people, this time Jewish people. Uh, no one at the compound ate pork. The children at its school learned Hebrew. Knowledge of Hebrew was valuable for demonstrating that the different words for man in the Bible prove that Yahweh created races of people, some superior, others inferior. Their mm -hmm. faith or ordained that they were the chosen people descended from the northern European countries that these true Israelites settled separate separate themselves in preparation for the reckoning to come a monstrosity called zionist occupational government this is that word zog that we talked about before zog the ball of jews had subverted america um and uh and basically the government is their subhuman puppets so that's they really believe that they, they do really believe that they oh sure here do. you go amarin you'll enjoy this a local boy sang a visitors sang the visitors a song about murdering barney the dinosaur well, of course. <laughs> we know why. Uh, the patriarch of Elohim City was an elderly Canadian named Robert G. Millar. Millar said that a vision from Yahweh had led him on the path to both America and Christian identity. A polygamist known to his followers as Grandpa, Millar had founded Elohim City in 1973, and about half its populace at any given time were members of his extended family. He refused to label himself a white supremacist. And then he says, let's put down, we're separatist. Nice. Mm -hmm. separatist um, is such a favored word by this group i won't go on at length about that but i just the, the the idea of being like separate uh but not the same as they're really hot on it they're very aroused by it they love it so much um uh, Christian identity did not accept the rapture foretold in Revelation. The second coming would result um, in a struggle as opposed to everybody just getting raptured up. An armed right. struggle to racially cleanse the world, probably after an economic collapse that would bring down this, I'm going to say a word, mongrel, because that's what they say, civilization. Uh, um, okay. the heavily, but they're not racist. Don't Please don't they're be confused. They're not racist. They, and, and I know that a lot of racist people use that word, and pretty much no one else uses that word at all, <laughs> except for racist people. But that doesn't mean anything, okay? Jeez, that doesn't mean guys. anything at all. Come so on. Judgy. Get out of here. <laughs> the heavily armed reside, reside, residents of Elohim City me meant to triumph in the rough life to come. Uh, they drill in marksmanship and repurpose old ammunition crates into building materials. 
Uh, They established the community as a safe haven for Christian identity believers and for their fellow traveling neo-Nazis, as well as violent criminals. These included a member members of a gang called the Aryan Nation or the Aryan Republic Army, uh, which aimed to finance the white revolution by robbing banks across the Midwest. That would be the group who one of their members was engaged to one of Rokas's daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's right. Man, she's had a string of assholes. I wish her well. I really like her. Um, so <laughs> that's the most recent take. So Bless anyway, her. that was just kind of a, a an age progression on how outsiders view Elohim City. Let's get into it. All right. CSA merges into Elohim City. We've actually mostly talked about this. Um, so I, I won't say a whole lot about it. Um, we already know that uh, CSA had the standoff, that the members went over there afterwards, that after he got out of prison, after ratting out his fellow Nazis, um, Jim Ellison went over there. Millar's biggest beef was that he felt that Jim Ellison was wrong to surrender during the um, conflict. He said that he should have shot it out with the feds. Ah, uh, wow. Yes. yes. Um, Millar also served as a spiritual advisor to Richard Wayne Snell, one of the CSA's most violent members who was put to death for the murders of a black state trooper and a pawn shop owner whom he believed to be Jewish. (sighs) During the trial, Millar testified as a character witness on Snell's behalf. Snell was executed on April 19th, 1995. You might remember that as also the day the Oklahoma City building was bombed. Yeah. So that's not a coincidence. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Snow was executed on April 19th, 1995, 12 hours after the Oklahoma City bombing and 10 years to the day after the FBI siege on CSA. Millar and his son, Jane, John, later retrieved Snell's remains from the state and buried them at Elohim City. So, yeah, yeah. A hint as to their feelings about life. Um, Here are some other nefarious characters that are a part of Elohim City. Let's see. Oh, it's been referred to as the culmination of decades of white power organizing. That makes sense. Um, it attracts the Aryan Nation. Head, head, Idaho, blah, 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 sorry. It attracts the Aryan Nation, as we've talked about. All of the leaders end up at Elohim City at some point. Um, this is restating kind of that they're. It says the infrastructure. Okay, so this is this is funny because they kind of stole this idea from the Weather Underground, which is a very okay. left group. Um, but that when they were setting up to be planning for the racial war to come, they created an infrastructure of basically an underground railroad. The infrastructure was loose by design rather than organized into a coherent network that suited people in groups who preferred living in the rugged country as far as possible from reach of the government. It also reflected the influence of the leaders of the Aryan nation, um, also, uh, I should say it, it makes it, it makes possible exactly what Elohim City does, where you go like, well, I didn't know that. I'm not in any kind of like strict organization. Right. Like, what do I know? Um, then in comes Timothy McVeigh. So Timothy McVeigh is the one who was convicted and put to death for the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, there is a whole lot of controversy about whether or not he stayed at Elohim City beforehand, although I don't know why there's controversy because he stayed at Elohim City beforehand. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I've just got a long list of like people here who are also criminals or bank robbers or murderers who also stayed at Elohim City. But I'll just say, suffice it to say, that's where people like that like to hang out. And Elohim City likes to feel really tough and hide those people. Um, and yeah. 
before I talked so too much shit, so did my church, which is yeah. why men in my church also went to prison for hiding a lot of the same people. So I'm not not standing on a real high ground here. Um, another person who stayed at Elohim City was Michael J. Fortier, an army buddy of Timothy McVeigh's, who was imprisoned for failing to warn the authorities about the Oklahoma City bombing because he and Elohim City heard about it beforehand when it was mm-hmm. being planned. Um, Dennis Mahone, a former Imperial Dragon of the Oklahoma Ku Klux Klan and organizer for the White Aryan Resistance, also known as WAR, um, all are out at Elohim City. Then they mentioned Zara Patterson again. They mentioned Rokas and Hartog again. Um, oh, and then they talk about uh, some people who stayed there after arson charges and fires at a Springfield, Missouri church and a Jewish community <laughs> center. That is what men in our church went to prison for was for harboring the people associated with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay. So now we come up to what Oklahoma or what uh, Elohim city is really famous for. So they did have an armed standoff with the feds themselves in the eighties over a custody issue. Um, but the government backed off. Okay. Now we're coming into a time where Waco just happened, Ruby Ridge just happened. People at, at Elohim City are partly people who were at CSA when their siege happened. So I think it's fair to say nobody in the country is more uh, actively angry and upset about Waco and Ruby Ridge than the people here, right? Because okay. these are the yeah. people who have been having armed standoff with the feds and they're lucky they're alive. Um, so let's see. Let me get into it here. Barely six months after Ruby Ridge, the FBI and ATF besieged an armed religious compound in Waco, Texas for 15 days before a fire consumed 76 Branch Davidians inside. April 19th, these are, again, I don't know if you know that April 19th or 20th is is considered to be American Terrorist Day. Do you know that? I did not know that. I've never heard that fun and light fact about the U.S. (laughs) Branch Davidians were killed on April 19th. Wayne Snow was put to death on April 19th. The CSA raid was on April 19th. The Oklahoma City bombing was not accidentally on April 19th. Um, Yes. And in fact, McVeigh went down when the siege in Waco was going on and was a part of the crowd watching it happen because he was straight out of the army. He was extremely racist already in the army. Mm -hmm. He was constantly Mm -hmm. getting sanctioned for like calling people N words and being like, and he like wore clan t-shirts. So he was a dick to begin with. Um, But he did go down to the siege in Waco while it was happening and watch it in real time. And so was very, very, very keyed up. Now, again, I'd say, let's see, Waco, Texas is right outside of Dallas. And let's see, Oklahoma City, no more than three hours away. Okay. So not not real far. Um, Because I've made that drive and it's it's seven hours between here and Dallas and Oklahoma City is I drive through Oklahoma city on that drive and it's five hours from here. So, mm-hmm. um, so not far is what I'm saying. So along with his army buddy and lackey, Terry Nichols, McVeigh constructed a plan strikingly similar to the CSA's 1983 plot to hit the, I'm just saying the word again, they call it the Zog in Oklahoma city. So here's the thing. Elohim city and CSA had already talked about bombing the Oklahoma city building. Previous okay. to this, I'm not letting any secrets out. People who might be listening to this from those communities, it's I'm it's reading true. this printed in the internet, so I'm not telling okay. anything that people don't already know. Um, but they had already talked about hitting this building and how to bomb it and the logistics of that. So very handy then 
um, when Timothy McVeigh comes up and bumps into these people because he's in the Aryan Nation movement and they're all mm-hmm. centering around Elohim City at this point. Yeah. Um, also, there was a so they used a truck bomb to uh, carry out this this bombing in Oklahoma City. Um, it's a very specific example of a truck bombing from uh, the book The Turner Diaries, which we've talked about before. Um, so the Turner Diaries describe it's a ridiculous book that everybody in the white power movement reads. You should read it because it's just worth knowing what they're all talking about. It's a tiny, it's a very small book because I'm just going to say it. These people aren't avid readers. Mm. Uh, And so it's a small, I think simplistic, like 12 year old level book that you can read in like two hours, but it's a novel about how these races take over the world and save every, save the planet by turning it all white and, then as soon as it's mostly white people and they go through quote hanging day where all the people they don't like are hanging from trees. And that's not just people of color. That's, and I quote Unitarians. <laughs> that's like Unitarian right. Universalists. It's like everybody. All the uh, worst the, people, you know, uh, yeah. Unitarians, uh, egalitarians, mm-hmm. the worst, this is the worst hippies. of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> right? Get um, them out all, of here. They're all hanging from trees. And then literally just, flowers start growing up through cracks in the concrete. So that's all it took, uh, according to this book. And they all take this book as a blueprint. And if you see large acts of violence coming out of the Aryan Nation, you can always see a direct parallel to this book. So Mm. the truck bombing in this book was supposed to be the big kickoff to start the race war, blah, blah, blah. It's always the same story, even though it never pans out. So that's what they were doing. All right. So uh, two weeks after, or I'm sorry, two weeks before the attack, McVeigh placed a call to Elohim City, um, to decide to ask Millar if he would let him stay there while he was planning for it. So now Elohim City says to this day that they did not let Timothy McVeigh stay on the property, that he wasn't, that he never stayed there. Here's okay. the tricksy thing about Elohim City. Elohim City is a plot of land in which uh, there's a little dirt road down it. And on one side of the street is Elohim City proper. And on the other side of the street, and by street, I mean dirt road, on the other side of the street is like no difference at all. It's the same plot of land. It's 10 feet farther out. And and the other side of the road is like uh, people who live at Elohim City, but are like second class citizens at Elohim City. They're not as holy. They're not as sacred. And it's questionable. I don't know because I get different answers on this, but it's questionable whether it's actually the property of Elohim City or if Elohim City property stops right there and then all the the second class people are owning their own property uh, immediately adjacent you see what i mean i see what you but mean but across yes. the street even though it's just across a dirt road on the same plot of land is not considered elohim city even though it's all elohim so, city people who still live there yeah i follow that makes a lot yeah. of sense so it'd be very That's easy weird. to say something to someone where you're like oh he never stayed with us we have no idea what you're talking about and he totally stayed with you 20 feet away that's exactly what everyone is saying. Perfect. <laughs> Great. Just another shady little totally transparent twisty boo that they're trying to pull off here that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like Miller Millar denied any connections with McVeigh, telling reporters that his community had never heard of McVeigh prior to the bombing. He stated, quote, I don't think I've ever seen him. I don't think. Notice that every sentence starts with I don't think. 
I don't think I've ever seen him. I don't him. think I've ever seen him. I don't think my, he's ever been in my audience to the best of my knowledge. He may have gotten our telephone number from someone if he used our telephone because there's phone records that he called Elohim City. So he can't okay. pretend that he didn't. He, That's a real thing. Oh my God. You're kidding me. He's like, if perchance I mistakenly dialed the number that happens to go to Elohim City, by God, that just beats me. I don't know how that happened. Coincidence, yeah. I guess. If he phoned here, he says, nobody here has any knowledge of ever talking to him. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, also, as I learned from that Dateline episode years ago, but also it's reiterated here, there are almost always feds in like embedded in Elohim City. There's always somebody coming through who is an undercover agent because they are a dangerous hotbed and everybody knows it. So there's often feds there. So a fed who was in the community during this time pre the Oklahoma City bombing says Mm. that she saw Timothy McVeigh in the church. She saw him (laughs) walking across the property. She saw him talking about renting a truck with other members there, which is he rented a truck to put the bomb in. Um, You know, again, I'll remind everyone that Elohim City and CSA had a plan to bomb this exact building in this exact way for like a decade before this. So, you know, probably just a coincidence and and no connection at all. But like, maybe who's to say? Um, Who who are you going to believe here, Jesse? An eyewitness account and years of evidence or what they said (laughs) on the fly? I don't don't understand. (laughs) Here's something else interesting. When when Richard Snow was put to death, I'll remind you, 12 hours after the Oklahoma City bombing, on his last day of life, he was telling everybody, hey, you guys have got to like pay attention. Something really big is going to happen. When I die, something really big is going to happen. Get ready because you are it's going to be big. Also a coincidence, I'd have to think. Pure coincidence. I mean, he's probably a prophet because he's, as you know, one of God's Uh chosen people. So he keeps it kosher. Uh Okay. I got it. On his murderous rampage, he doesn't eat eat pork when he kills people is what I'm telling you. Well, that means he's a good dude, you know? That just means he doesn't have any problems, it sounds like to me. Yeah. 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 Uh, Immediately after the Oklahoma City bombing, several key people that would have been most uh, knowledgeable of that disappeared and didn't come back for a really long time. Also, probably a coincidence. Um, Yeah, I'm just thinking about how many people I know are going to listen to this and be mad at me. That just dawned on me. You know what? It's on the Internet, people. Maybe (laughs) better people. Uh, okay, Here's a thought. So, get it off the internet first. <laughs> just, just, just one note. Just um, acknowledge that yeah. I'm hardly the only person that has this information. So fair uh, enough. And I said that a lot of you are nice and normal people, which is not something that anybody else telling this story would say. So TBH, we're being very generous. You really that. need to be careful about associating with actual terrorists. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So anyway, um. Th- the reason that o- that Elohim City is known to people and became a household name is its direct uh, connection to the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah. Um, there are just, and I, I, I printed them all, but I'm not going to read them all here, but there are just mountains of court documents, uh, FBI documents, um, just like newspaper. There's just shit tons of information that all connect Timothy McVeigh to Elohim City I will tell you this on the back end, Elohim City is very proud of their connection with Timothy McVeigh. But on the front mm-hmm. end, they're like, who the, what's that? I can't, I don't, which I don't blame them, but right. that's, that's how that goes. Okay. So, so then the Oklahoma City bombing takes place. We all know, well, 
tell me, what's your perception? Are you, when you think of the Oklahoma City bombing, do you immediately think of why it happened or no? I think so. I pretty quickly think about, um, I mean, it's it's tough to say because I do know about the association with Waco and I and now I know that it happened on the same day as this other gentleman being put to death. Um, that being said, I think that that would be the only thing is that it's the second anniversary of Waco and it's falling on this day. Mm-hmm. Right. So but I that's that's the intent that I would think of, I think, more than anything. What are you thinking right. of? Well, so Timothy McVeigh is the person who went down for mm-hmm. the bombing of the Oklahoma City building. Um, he did uh, do it with his friend Terry Nichols. That's pretty well established. And, and Terry Nichols was brought in as well. Um, he did tell other people who were associated with Elohim City enough so that those people went to prison as well for having foreknowledge and not turning him in for it. But it's mm-hmm. it's pretty odd to me. And I think it was from day one, maybe for mainstream people, how much the government let this slide, how much they were like, yep, nope, it's just this one guy. And Timothy McVeigh huh. did work very hard to say it was just me. It was just me. It was just me. I think partly he wanted the credit and he knew he was going to be put to death and he did not care. Um, and I think partly like he was very committed to what he considered to be the cause and he was not going to rat out the many Nazis and Christian identity people who helped him get to where he was because no, he didn't rent a rider truck and fill it with like a shit ton of shit, <laughs> which is, you know, the fertilizer that he used for the bomb and the right chemicals and the right bomb making knowledge to make something that large and the right knowledge of exactly where to go in that building and the layout of that building. I will say one thing that he said, there was a daycare center in the Oklahoma City building and it was obliterated. And that was part of, you know, they didn't need that to be to make it a terrible thing, but it, it really ups the ante of like how horrific that event was that it, it blew up this daycare center and all these children. Um, yes. And he swears that he, in his recognizance, didn't realize that there was a daycare center there. Um, but it's, you know, pretty irrelevant whether he did or not. Also, that's very bad recognizance if you didn't note a whole daycare center. <laughs> that's bad, bad work on your part. Pretty you much the worst thing. Job. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and listen, here's my my ounce of sympathy for Timothy McVeigh, because we're right after Ruby Ridge and Waco. And all racism aside, I don't like that doesn't have to tie into this, which is, oh, Amarin, this is why people tie racism to Waco. Yeah. When yeah. people think of well, Waco yeah. as a separatist group, it is because separatists took revenge for them. Yeah, if you guys if you guys listen to the Waco episode, you'll call back to kind of the conversation that we have at the end, which is kind of exactly this, which is to say that Waco is not affiliated with Christian identity or in with the way. white supremacist movement. Um, in fact, it had a high level of diversity compared to what you probably mm-hmm. would expect for groups of that type um, and is falsely said to be connected to this group, um, even though that is literally just because of this group pushed that narrative basically right and we're like yeah no we're it's the same deal because the government's going to try to come out here and do this to us and blah 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 um and it's used as almost like a justification and a little notch in the wall for what's going on but in fact yeah no association really between these two things especially on the white supremacy front um and 
This but is a now very different it, thing, too, also, like the government coming in and doing a standoff with your group and, and killing a lot of people, um, as we definitely outed our opinion is, um, that are present uh, on a base versus killing hundreds of people, including children, with a car bomb, which is a pretty cowardly way to do it. We got to be honest. Um, yeah, because he just walked intense. away from that. He just That's, parked that and walked away from it. Yeah, I got like that. That for me, I'm just kind of like, I'm not trying to be crass or, or or anything here but i'm i just am like i have no respect for that i have no respect for that no. that is a cowardly stupid way to go about doing something like this obviously i don't think there's a good motivation to do anything like it in the first place but what what a way to do it you know i just have to throw that in there not cool obviously yeah. no and so again i'm not not pro Timothy McVeigh, but here's my my tiny bit of understanding of the emotional state that he was in, which is that he was watching Waco happen in front of his eyes. He physically drove there and watched this. It, what our government did to those people was unfathomable and horrific. And he is quoted as saying, you know, I watched them punching Bradley tanks into these people's house. And I'm an I'm a soldier. I've been in a Bradley tank. I know how much destruction they cause. And I looked at that and there are families inside and like I had to get revenge for that. Right. I do get, I get that feeling. I Mm -hmm. have that emotion. Right. And so I, you know, that's the, listen, I can't say it enough. I'm not pro Timothy McVeigh, but I, that rage and that desire to get revenge and therefore to target a government building, I understand. Hey, guess what? You, you could have right. done it on a Sunday, buddy. <laughs> you could have yep. called in a bomb threat, buddy. You know, like you could have done property destruction without human life cost, let alone the fucking nursery, you racist asshole. But yeah, yeah so so that so and so now forever and ever, Waco is now tied with white supremacists. And that is why. And Elohim City is tied with the wake or the uh, Oklahoma city bombing. And that is why. So here we go. We're wrapping it up. Uh, Elohim city still exists. As I've said, um, it is, it is uh, mellow looking on its face at this point, but they're still doing their marching around the flagpole, shooting guns in the air every morning at nine. They still have their exact same church. They're still marching around in their fatigues. They're still housing violent, dangerous neo-Nazis. That's their jam. And they're still coming out to church for Thanksgiving (laughs) with my son. Mm -hmm. Um, I know lots of their kids who are great people and are trying to understand their place in the world outside of that. Am I still sacred? Am I, am I the chosen one? Am I better than other people still? How do I, you know, I think, I think the people who, I think the kids who are my age who have left that and now are in this church outside of here, uh, who all have like faux religious meetings at my ex's house. I think that, they think of themselves, well, I know that they think of themselves as more sacred than everybody else, just but mm-hmm. not based on their race. They've just dropped that part of the narrative. So, yeah, um, I'll, you know, their parents, they're rel- you would read them as normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not any more normal than you or I are because they are much sure. more steeped in their culture than they realize they are uh, as we are. Um, mm-hmm. as you and I are. Um, right. So yeah, it's just a really, it's a complicated thing. And back when I was friends with um, them and with the homewrecker, um, I, uh, 
we talked a lot about coming out of community and suddenly being like, well, what the fuck? I have to have a social security number. Like, thanks parents. Eh, Like, you know, just like really basic things that you have to learn that you don't know when you come out of a culture like that. So they struggle with those things too, you know, and, and they don't know always where they're average and where they're way off from average, just like I don't. Um, So it's a, it's a struggle that they are always going to be in and a a line they're always trying to balance, especially since these people are still their families and these people are still coming out to worship with them. So interesting. All right. So now we're on the other side of the Oklahoma City bombing and we're coming up to. Yeah. Can we pause for one second to ask? I I don't think you've said this. Is the Oklahoma City bombing still the deadliest domestic terror event that's happened in the U.S. to date? Okay, yes. I I wasn't yes. sure if that was the case, but I thought if that, that you was don't true. count nine eleven, yeah, that's if fair. you don't consider that an inside if job, you do not consider <laughs> the nine eleven tragedy. But yeah, 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 that's what I thought. Um, I didn't want to spoil the it event is, yeah. earlier. Whenever you asked me about this, this is actually what came to mind whenever you said the thing about the event is that I wanted to say, and I was a little unsure that it was the mm-hmm. largest domestic terrorism event that they were tied it to is. that. Um, yes. So now I just kind of wanted to kind of cap it by saying, obviously we're, you know, everything that, that doesn't contradict or go against anything we've said to this point, but it is an interesting note um, just considering, unfortunately what a violent country America is. I think that, yeah, I think it was, Nearly well, 200 people that died, which is pretty unusually high actual casualty numbers. Um, yeah, actually, I'd be interested to know the number because I think it might be more than that. Um, but uh, so, yeah, no, it is it is the, it is the highest death toll for for okay. a domestic terrorism attack. Again, if you assume 9-11 is not domestic. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. <laughs> another talk for another time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that is that is what they are tied to. So now we go on to the press response to Oklahoma City. So immediately afterwards, the press and I'm sorry, let me pause for just one more second to remind everybody to compare what's ha- consider Oklahoma City or I'm sorry, Elohim City still exists. Their function is still the same in the world. And ask yourself, how fucking creepy crawly are the current neo-Nazis? How active is that party right now? In the year that that Trump is out at this moment, echoing words from Mein Kampf mm-hmm. in his speeches, and it's upping his poll numbers, right? Like, consider uh-huh. how much of a danger places like or just, in fact, Elohim City is right now when we're more active in our racist violence than we were in the 90s when Oklahoma yeah. City was bombed. Yeah. Way more active. Big time. Yeah. Way more out in the sunshine. It's a it's a legitimate we've concern. Created, no, we've created a real space. Obviously, we there's a there's a world of conversation topic you get into here, but in the midst of the people who feel genuinely seen and appreciated by Donald Trump um, as a president and, and as a candidate for, I don't know, for, for the policies that he represents and the specific ideology. For as many people as there are that genuinely just feel that way as Americans about tax policies and stuff, there are quite a few people that are backing that ticket who are there for the stuff that he is implying as well as overtly saying, right? And I think for that's the all that's left. Racism. I think that's his base. And I was going to say, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say that I feel as time has gone on and as more investigations and legal proceedings have gone through post his um, 
time in office concluding, I feel that so many people have turned away from Trump due to the facts that have come out that what we have left are is a group of supporters that are supporting him for pretty dark reasons. Mostly I I'm I rarely run into Trump supporters at this point that are not willing to back some of those concepts and policies that he has touted that were unpopular when he was in office on a public level, they would say, right? I don't know if you remember that, but it was always like, oh, no one's racist. We all just like all this stuff. Yes. And then it's like, oh, no, no, no. I know you're all racist. Just FYI. But they're I just see right like Elohim it. City. They're like, I'm not exactly racist. Like I just think I'm better than other people. Why are you so dumb? Uh, so that brings us to the press response to the Oklahoma City bombing. Guess who on day one, the entirety of the press and the Oklahoma City legislature blamed for the bombing it's a minority group of people they are religious are they jewish <laughs> close no. who's the other one Wait. we always blame them we ban them we from always our country. blame them oh uh, well what? trump banned them from, trump banned them from our country oh hispanic people what's what They're are you mus- talking about muslims they blame oh, the muslims. muslims oh my god why did I not? Why? This is the most obvious thing in the world. And I literally knew that they had blamed the Muslim people because everybody said because it had happened after 9-11 and everybody after. said, oh, and it, when it immediately happened, everyone immediately made the assumption that it had been the work of someone that was Middle Eastern immediately after 9-11. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. They absolutely did. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which 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 I understand on some level that does. Like, there was a lot of fear and I can understand it was a mass terror. Like, you know, there's there's literal terror. That being said, yes, I do remember they do believe it on the Muslims uh, in a very imprecise, highly racist and just targeted towards people who have brown skin tone type way. So something worth noting is that Timothy McVeigh expected this. He expected that they would blame the Muslims and he just walked down the street away from the bombing. Exactly. Because he was just a white boy with with just, you know, a regular. He looked like a. He honestly looks like a, just anybody, literally just anybody in a lineup, just a white dude and totally unremarkable. And ugh, yeah, so upsetting. Very yep. upsetting. I hope we've progressed more at this point and looked more directly at terrorism at this point and understand what a ridiculous. Well, of course we have because literally Trump and all of his supporters yeah. right now are talking about banning Muslims again. He's literally on stages right now talking about it. Uh, so here we go. Journalists and their law enforcement sources immediately knew the culprits of the Murrah, Murrah building bombing Muslims. Former Representative Dave McCurdy, an Oklahoma Democrat, Democrat who had recently chaired the House Intelligence Committee, stated that there was, quote, very clear evidence that, quote, <laughs> fundamentalist Islamic terrorist groups were involved. That's just a, you understand that's a flat out lie. Like, no, there wasn't it any very clear to be of that. Because it's not in any way true. So right, what happened right. to it, you motherfucker? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. That's a little too far, sir. That's a little too far. Foreign wow. students, diplomats, and other, quote, threatening people, he declared, ought to be placed under surveillance. Uh-huh. Shoot them now, he wrote, before they get us. Yep, yep, yep. That's really disconcerting. I feel upset. Wow. Yep. Um, Another radio host said, stop admitting people who come from countries that are hostile to us. Uh, the danger that Muslims, pr- uh, the da- danger that Muslims uh, show us is, blah, 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 means that Ill- illegal immigrants are a threat to our democracy. In the wake of Oklahoma City, <laughs> large enforcement 
law enforcement nationwide received 227 reports of harassment against Muslims. The Christian Science Monitor reported ranging from verbal threats to assaults. Yeah. If you're not aware, listeners, and I'm sure you are, Jesse, of the way that uh, not just Muslim people, but anyone that looked to be potentially Muslim was treated. That entire group of people in the U.S., if you're unaware of the hate and the crimes, the hate crimes that went on against those people in the wake of 9-11, uh, it is your duty as an American, I fully believe, to become fully educated on that information. Uh, in the wake of terrorist attacks that are blamed on um Middle Eastern terrorists, the boogeyman that we've assigned over there, uh, there are literally always violent hate crime attacks where people die as a result and often are completely unassociated with the religion that people are targeting. Sikh men have been killed. Really horrible oh, things yeah. have happened. Um, yeah. And it, so I, yeah, I challenge all of us, you know, I challenge myself to learn more about it, but it's, it's so troubling and the amount of times that this group of people has acted as a scapegoat for this country right under our noses within our lifetimes is disturbing, humbling, take you to your knees, really bad stuff. Yeah, I lived in Richmond, Virginia when 9-11 happened, um, which is very oh. close to D.C., which, of course, was one of the places that had a plane oh attack God. the Pentagon. So I was like right in the midst of it when that happened. And so it was like day two or three after 9-11. So like literally the Amtrak is still shut down. They won't let us get on the highways. Like it's 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 all, you know, cops everywhere. Um, and <laughs> but it, like in Richmond, which I'll remind you was the capital of the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of crime against people of color, like just jacked up all of a sudden. And it's very anti-Muslim. And it was just like fucking American flags on every car as far as the eye could see. I've never seen so many yeah. fucking American flags in my life. It was a hard because the Americans flags meant fuck everybody who's not white is what the flags meant. Yeah. And so I went into this sandwich shop like a day or two after 9-11 and the whole ceiling was just American flag, American flag, American flag, like hanging down from. Oh, and I okay. was so irritated that I was going to go up to the counter and be like, you know what? I'm not even going to buy a fucking sandwich here because I'm so sick of this stupid bullshit. And so I go up and then I realize it's very clearly Middle Eastern people who own this thing. And I was like, oh, I see what oh, you're doing here. This makes a lot it. of sense. Like, <laughs> I'll take all your sandwiches. You, know you definitely yeah. want American flags in here. I get it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a great lesson in, <laughs> in proving out the facts of a situation before reacting. That's very yeah. smart. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I had no idea that that's where you were. Sometime we'll have to get into, into that, but we won't. Oh, obviously, so no, it's a one, story for another one, day. At 140, and we will not break yeah, into it. Not. However, we will not. that's fascinating. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, this is, yeah, guys, this is a really horrific trend in this country. And if those narratives that Jesse was talking about ring true, it's because we're hearing them parroted by current political candidates, which Whereas should be in incredibly the disturbing to us all in 2024. Yes. We're in the thick of this right now. Um, so so everybody thought it was Muslims. They're all basically becoming like South Park characters just out in the streets shooting up anybody that doesn't look like them. And then we all find out that it's Timothy McVeigh. His name is everywhere. His face is everywhere. He's just a good old white boy. And immediately, tell me this, Amran, did people take to the streets looking for white boys? Not one single time in my life, not even Nary when we've known fully that a white boy was guilty and we had eyewitnesses have we ever taken to the streets Never. after one in my experience. I'm sad Never. to say. 
Nope. Yeah, didn't happen. So when we all knew it was Timothy McVeigh, nobody even apologized to the Muslims. They were like, oh, it's a white boy. Well, in other news, the swimming pools look good. You guys deserve that anyway, is how they felt somehow, which doesn't make any sense. And I can't understand it, but it's true. One of the first things that came out was a Washington Post profile on McVeigh that portrayed the 27-year-old man as, quote, an ordinary boy who (laughs) lived lived through the divorce revolution and turned to guns to fill the void left by his bad mom. Is that a real quote? Are you serious? That's a real quote. What, lived what, through the what, divorce what, revolution and turned to guns. What publication published this link? Be very for real with me right now. Do you I'm know? Sorry. Who, I actually can't write it because I cut out the quote. My fuck. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I said it. It's the Washington Post. That, yeah, it's the Washington Post. Oh, WP, we've got questions. That's yeah. some shitty reporting right there. I've heard that narrative 16 ways to Sunday, and I, it doesn't work any of any time on me. Like, gosh, I know it's a, I know it's an American concept to hate men this much, but I'm American to the core. I just, it's just like, what the hell? There were no calls from newspaper columnists to send elite commandos into places like Elohim City, shooting suspected white supremacist guerrillas on site, deporting them, seizing whites from their airplane seats for the misfortune of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, were unthinkable options. Yet white supremacist terrorism was the oldest, bloodiest, and most resilient terrorism in the history of the United States. Mm. Uh, The government response was similar. Um, Basically, at this point, remember, again, right after Ruby Ridge and Waco. So now the government doesn't want that again. And the government has already had an armed standoff with Elohim City in which the government backed down. Mm. So Mm -hmm. the government basically just lets it be like everybody's on the same page that Timothy McVeigh was at Elohim City, that Elohim City was involved in this activity, that at the very, very, very least, Elohim City knew about it and allowed for people involved in it to stay there and gain training and knowledge. At the very, very least, everybody's on that same page and there are just shit tons of documents, including phone records to prove it. In fact, uh, the head of the uh, security at Elohim City, his card was in Timothy McVeigh's wallet when he was arrested. Oh, yeah, but sure. yeah, along but, with I assume a signed confession from from the person that did it that was notarized officially, and the government threw that out. I would assume. But Timothy McVeigh went, yeah, no, it was just me, and they went like, yeah, no, we agree with you, and they just let it die. So like. Nobody from Elohim City was ever arrested. They weren't questioned. Like, they just let it die. See, now um, that makes me feel conspiracy theoristy. We won't dwell on it. But that makes me go, why Why would you feel so comfy turning a blind eye there when you had such a straight shot at this group? Like, it does me weird. too. Um, and th- I read a lot of articles written about Elohim City. And Elohim City and the sheriff of their area are cozy, cozy, cozy. They go, every Uh, article mentions how they're besties and how the law enforcement there just thinks Elohim City is the best and they love them. Got it. So, yeah, so, you know. That answered my question, actually. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh that's not the feds, you know. The feds should be, I mean, like the sheriff out at Waco was friendly with Waco, you know, but- yeah. But again, being friendly with Waco is different than being friends with your neighborhood Nazis. That says a lot about you, Sheriff. It's a big difference. It's a huge difference. Um, and it, it definitely, it begats the possibility for more insidious allowances. It does. Or it just tells you what we already fucking know, which is that they're white and nobody's going to fuck them up. 
that we could just end it there right now again i think it i think it majorly comes into play that waco had just happened ruby ridge had just happened uh they they weren't looking for another armed standoff that wasn't going to end well definitely not especially yeah. after the citizenry just showed them they're willing to blow up their buildings and die for it yeah because they're so mad about waco right good idea to not make another waco so I am glad that they didn't yes. go into Elohim City like that because True. many, many other beautiful children who I personally who play with my son also wouldn't exist now. You know, so like true. no, it's so, a, it, it, lives saved or lives saved. It's a that's that's yes. a win ultimately, especially yes. for the children. Yes, I whether or not it goes into a conspiracy at the level of like how many people in our government are like fucking Nazis. I'm I'm totally willing to hop on that ship, but We're I don't put have a pin in to, it. Yeah, I don't have to to go that like evil is often banal. It's true. And the acceptance of of this level of racism and violence and we all know it's happening and we're just going to fold it aside rather than deal with it is um is not surprising to me from our government or mm-hmm. from Americans in general, especially mm-hmm. again looking at the current political climate. So we could go into conspiracy or we could just go like yeah, this isn't surprising. This is literally the definition of institutional racism. When we say institutional racism, we don't mean that like you get in trouble if you're a person of color and you are buying gum, although sometimes you do. Um, We're saying a white supremacist group who very obviously contributed to a major bombing uh, gets to go on being considered a cute church. Yeah. That's institutional racism. That's true. You know, mm-hmm. so there we are. That's the story of Elohim City. That's the wrap on that. It's uh, yeah, it's got a lot of spidery fingers out there. I think it's a a place that makes the world a worse place. And I say yeah. that knowing their descendants out here, many of whom I like. Listen, this is a key moment. This is a key cold side join moment with a little asterisk it is. because it is. we are all about to pull in the. Not, you know, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees analogy. We're all about seeing those individual trees of the forest, right? We're all mm-hmm. about seeing those individual trees. I'm butchering this analogy, but like we are, we really <laughs> are. Um, it was, it made a lot of sense, but then it went too deep in my You're head. doing great. Um, so effectively, all I'm trying to say is that we care about individual people and we recognize that individual people might find themselves in places, even groups of individual people may find themselves in places or communities that don't align with what they believe. And they may not even realize that, right? Like, that's how complex the human condition is, is that we're all on a process of learning and growing and understanding ourselves, right? Like, we're lifelong students to the things that we believe to our own concepts. Like, we should never be comfortable with the idea of being egalitarian or a feminist, for instance. Like, I never Mm want to be comfortable in my own feminism. I want to constantly examine and learn and sharpen up what I believe because that's what it is to live and be a human. We're all doing that. Some of us are starting further back than others. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of us are starting out in captivity, right? Literally. And some of us end up becoming um, really, really bad figures in history for the things that we do because of the context that we find ourselves in. Some of us are out doing bad things on purpose because we there's something going on with our mental health. Like there's just there's a huge range of things. Um, And my point is just to say that we see we see these people as people, right, and not yeah. as a group entity moving in mass, um, acting out some ungodly plan. These are just fallible human beings that think they're right about something 
and they're not. And that's this group. Yeah. I, I'm feeling very confident to say this group is <laughs> not, not right about not right, things you that guys. they think. You guys, I'm sorry if this means we can't be friends, but I feel so confident in my beliefs on this one. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a complex thing. Um, and I think it's the exact reason that I love doing this podcast is talking about groups like this with you and being able to look at the humanity even in such inhumane acts as taking a lot of lives. You know, that's a very yeah. valuable thing to be able to do and learn from. Yeah. And on a little tiny microcosm level, you know, I was just I was thinking it kind of kept flashing in my mind as we're going through this group. Uh, you know, when my husband and I got married and we had our son, that church is very like where the most sacred, like all churches are, but they, there was so much like laying on of hands of us and going like, you're so sacred. You're bringing in the next generation of sacred life. This is, you know, this is, we are the bringers of light to the world. And your son is going to be the sacred bringer because your union is so sacred because you're both from our churches. And, you know, and I was like, yes, yeah, it felt so good. It felt so good. Uh, and then, you know, he deemed me not sacred. And so everybody deemed me not sacred. And and that wasn't fun for me. But then he had yeah. that trap baby with that other trollop. And <laughs> he did. He did and, do that. But the thing is, here's the thing. Truly. I saw it on Facebook. They were all like, you're so sacred. You're bringing the sacred life into the world. It's going to be so sacred because we're sacred and you're in our group. So we're all sacred. And I was like, what? I thought I was sacred. Like we can't both be sacred because it's the same guy <laughs> and we're not all married. <laughs> like, and it was can't such, all such be a, sacred. No, but it was such a, uh, I mean, it was a bummer moment for me to watch people who said I was sacred, say the next baby mama was sacred. Yeah. Obviously that was very hard to watch, but also um, what a moment of losing your religion, right? Because like, we actually can't both be sacred. Um, that's the opposite of everything you teach. And, and now I have to go, Oh fuck. It's like, it's all bullshit. Even the nice parts. Yeah, it's so. true. But the same thing is true not to be a complete dick, but the same thing is true with like Christian groups too. Like, yes. oh, I, yeah. I, I, yes. I can't take, I can't take, I mean, I know this is a Christian adjacent group, but I can't even like hear people complimenting people for getting pregnant anymore and be positive and feel excited about it. Cause I'm just like, yeah. I get it. You're pro-life. I get it. You know, like, <laughs> right. literally, like with a lot of these groups, yeah. it'll be like, oh, the sacred gift of life. Praise God. And I'm just like, <laughs> would you calm down? Two people had sex. You know, like, really? let's really? just breathe. Like, I love a child, too. I love a life, sure. too. Hell yeah, babies. Um, But also, yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, once you start looking into into the rhetoric of things, it's like eating from it the tree of good ruined. and evil. And it, yeah. everything gets bad. Everybody's naked. There are snakes. Not fun. Not fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a real bummer, guys. You're all going to find out just like it's I did. Bummer. That we're all just human. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. But please uh, take a shiny red apple and t- take a bite with us and look right yeah. in the eye of the stuff. Because if we don't do it, history's doomed to repeat itself. Well. So we yep. better just keep looking right at it and not standing for this kind of <laughs> attitude. Right. Amber, hey, are you are you joining no. Elohim City or no? Uh-uh. Hell no! <laughs> yeah, I'm not joining Elohim City. Um, I, you know, <laughs> with respect to um, some members who undoubtedly I'm not so different from, as we've discussed. Sure. Um, I I abhor a lot of the ways that these people have 
chosen to align themselves. Um, not the groups that they're connected with entirely. None of that. This specific group, though, I, I personally could not. Um, I couldn't ever align with, unfortunately. Yeah. Or yeah. fortunately. Even though I felt drawn to it because it, uh, I didn't realize how much it was mirroring my own childhood. I, uh, right. I, my mouth would get me back out in probably 24 hours. So that seems very <laughs> self-aware, fair, and maybe something you should be deeply proud of. Not sure. Yeah, I feel good about it. It's yeah, fine. I think, it's fine. I think it's probably fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have vitriol. Like it kind of sounds like I do for, yeah, the people, but you know, the, I, the ideas and the, the concepts, I don't know. Tough. Well, tough, Christian tough. identity is disgusting and should be set on fire. So, you know, our fire policy with Nazis. Christian identity. Yeah. No, don't no, no. Them. Don't feed them. Don't feed them. Get them out of here. Fuck them. Yeah. yeah. They're the worst. Just ain't going anywhere good. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that. It ain't yep. going anywhere good. It might be going on a long journey of self-discovery to India, but it's not going anywhere good. Hello, can you hear me right now? Yep. Okay, guys. All right. Uh, Due to my bad editing skills, you're all just going to hear that. What happened was that, uh, as we've said before, Zencaster, not a great platform, totally froze. Nope. Uh, Merry Gotta Christmas go, to all and to all a don't bomb government buildings. Yep. Happy New Year. <laughs> Yay. Hey, friends. If you are loving Cold Side Join and want to help us share the fun, here are some actions you can take. Subscribe and share the show on any podcast platform. Rate and review us on Google. This keeps us visible and gives an angel its wings. Or at least that's what our guru says. Follow us at CultSideJoin on the .com, the Facebook, and the Insta. And then hit us there with all your comments, discussions, and questions. We really do love hearing what you think. Finally, a huge thank you to our co-creators. Editing and post-production is by DeverWeb. And the biggest thanks to the incomparable Miss Devin Spruill, our theme song creator and performer. You should go soak up her music right now. And that's it, y'all. Thanks for listening and happy culting.